I was walking through the hallway of this building this week, and I heard a couple people having a conversation about what's taking place in the earth and in the world, and uh, whether it be persecution overseas and Christians being martyred or uh, just things happening in our schools and things that take place. Uh, I heard one person say to the other about Christianity, they said, it just seems like it's not working. Isn't that interesting? What a, what a, what a wow. And if we were all actually surveyed or polled, you could probably say that we've even had that thought before. Like maybe you look at the state of the church or you make, and you look at just things maybe in our own lives where we thought that God would move this way and it didn't work the way we thought. Maybe we would say, hey, this Christian thing isn't working, right? And so I began to think about it for days and days and we're in this series called Different and uh, I began to think of this idea of like, hey, is it not working? Is it not taking place? Is it not taking root? Is there no fruit in it? And then I really felt like I heard God say this to me and gave me this picture of our kids. Um, how many of you ever had your kids walk up to you and um, they're playing with something and they're really frustrated with it and they say what? It's not working, right? And they got this little toy. Uh, and really most of the time, what's actually happening in that situation is they're actually just not doing it properly. Amen. So they got this thing that's been put in place in their life and it has a system and principles and values and a process to it. And they're getting really frustrated with it. And they're coming back to the father and they're saying, it's not working. And I have to say, hold on, buddy. Hold on. Let, let me look at it. Let me see what's going on. Oh, here, here's what you need to do. You're not doing it right. See, you got to focus a little bit better. This part actually goes here, and then this button works like this. And then when you do it like that, success. And I just wonder if our Heavenly Father is doing the same thing. We're saying, it's not working. God, I don't see you. And he's like, well, hey, hold on. Oh, I see what's going on here. You're not paying enough attention to the process that I put in place. You're not actually doing it the way that it was created to be done. Amen? And so... I, it's an easy response. It's, it's, it's hey, st stop trying to make it work your way and start doing it the way that it was intended to be. And I just wonder if that's the state of the church that we've got into is God is saying, look, I've created it a way. I've given it power. I've given it authority. I've given it all this stuff. You got to stop trying to do it your own way. And our own way works like this. We think we're going to be able to do everything the world's way. Well, the world does it like this, and they act like that, and this person does it like this. But the truth is, we are called to do it different. It's just different. You've heard it said before that the kingdom of God is, is upside down, right? It's, it's, when we, it's, it's better to give than it is to receive. It just works different than what we see in the world, amen? So God has a way of doing things, and that's what I really want us to see today is that uh, it's, it is working, that God is still moving, that it is, if you actually take a look at the evangelism rates of people who are saved and you see people who are healed and you look at the stories of miracles, if you look deep enough, you'll see that it is working and God is doing the work. But I also think we ought to look deep enough at ourselves and be like, how can it work more? Because I know it doesn't look good on, on TV. I know it doesn't look good in this and that. But the truth is you as a believer still have the advantage. They may be kicking us out of this, and they may be talking about us this way, and they may say we have mental illness, and they, they're right. We are different. <laughs> Amen? They may say this and may say that, and they may talk that way about us, but the truth is you as a believer, as a child of God, as a Christian, you are still at advantage. Amen? 
God always has a way of doing things. And one of the ways, and the most important way, we find in Zechariah 4.6, it says that we are not, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. God is still moving. It's not in what we calculate. It's not in what we can see. It's not in what we can strategize. But it's by a powerful move of the Spirit that God does His work. Amen. Amen. That's why Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, stand. Many of us are like, okay, God, I did it. I put on my armor, I took a stand, and I stood up, and it's still not working. And the scripture says, well, then guess what you get to do? Keep standing. It doesn't mean the story's over. You're still at the advantage. Just be equipped, put in what you need in your life, and then be a person who's just not moved. But, but we worry, and we back out, and we freak out, and we, Amen. It's saying like, look, God moves by the spirit. It's a way that you don't always understand, but be a person who just stays in it because it's different than how you think it's going to be. Amen. He is always doing things. God's way of doing, th doing things always chooses people to be a part of his victory. God's way of doing things is by always choosing people to be a part of his victory. That's why you matter. That's why it matters that you're here right now and you're born for such a time as this. Why? Because you're at the advantage. God has given you the advantage and he's put you at this place at this time. Why? Because you were born to be a part of his victory story. You were created to be a part of what he's going to do here on the earth. That's an advantage. You have God who's saying my victory is going to happen and I've put you here at this time in this place. Don't be hesitant. Don't be pulling back and going, well, look at the times and look at the immorality and look at the, and get all worried about what it is. Right. Instead, we can stand and stand up and go, I got a God who's got a victory story and he's cast me in this thing. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You're different. We're different. We're called to be different. Second Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. It doesn't work the way it used to work in your life. Amen? You're a new creation in Christ. You've, you've connected yourself. You've assigned yourself. You've connected yourself to something that's not normal. It's different. And it's the power of God. That's, a good, that's an amen spot. Like, and I'm not up here to tell you like Christianese things. I'm here to say that if we want to do it, if we want to believe it, if we want to see it, then you have to believe that you're connected to a powerful God. In the old way of doing it doesn't matter because God's got a new way. But we keep comparing to, well, it used to be this way, or I thought it should be like this. And God is saying, no, you're in Christ. There's a new way that we think. You have an alliance with the God who emptied the grave. Like, do you understand? You carry that card if you're a believer. You have an alliance with that. You have a connection to that. There's a lot of things that you're a part of that come with benefits. You're a part of this club and that thing and this thing, but your salvation club. I know that sounds like, what is it? Awana? Is that the Christian Wednesday night thing? Yeah. I know it sounds like that. Like you're in the club and you get a badge <laughs> and a memory verse sticker. Let's not, let's not put it that low. What I'm saying is literally like you and your salvation and the redemption of who you are is connected to the same God who emptied the grave. And bought all our salvations. Amen. Uh, when we were young, 
we had cheat codes on our video games. And so the mission would be put in front of you and you would be like, oh, this is going to be a lot. And you could set it to hard and you would have all this stuff in front of you unless you went to the store and you bought the book that gave you all the cheat codes. And then you sat down in front of the video game and it was a whole different attitude, <laughs> right? It was like, oh yeah, this mission. Okay. I got to defeat that person. Okay. Just one second. And then you look up some codes and you were a little, little bit different attitude. Yeah. How many know that's how you should start your day? You should get that little book of cheat codes and read a few things. I'm talking about the Bible and be like, hey, this isn't going to be that big of a deal today because I, I got all this advantage over here. <laughs> I, uh, I was wrestling with uh, my son, Charlie. Uh, he's really into um, uh, Toy Story and, and Buzz Lightyear and Zerg and we're doing all this stuff. And so often in the day, <coughs> excuse me, he'll say, I'll come home. Everything is about defeating me, me, dad. And um, so I'll come home. He's like, comes to the top of the step like, dad, I'm going to defeat you. Like, okay. Uh, even so much so that like, that's how we'll get him to eat. Charlie, if you eat all that food, you're going to be strong. You're going to be able to defeat me. He's like, okay. <laughs> like, and he eats it. He's ready to defeat me. And so uh, downstairs, <clears throat> I have like this, uh, it covers our floor. It's like this six foot by eight foot. Um, it's supposed to be a workout mat that's really just turned into a wrestling mat with my son, but I get a little bit of a sweat going when I wrestle with him, so I, I justify it. But his favorite thing to do is jump off the couch at me, okay? And I noticed this the other day, and God spoke to me in this, just watching this play out. So he's trying to defeat me. And a couple ways that it works is uh, if he jumps off the couch and I catch him, I throw him back on the couch, and, and that's like me defeating him. So he jumps, he says, oh, and I catch him. And I say, oh, I've defeated you, and I throw him back. Other times, I let him just, just frog splash me, just like off the top rope, just blast me, right? And so when he's climbing the couch, he's kind of calculating. You can see in his mind, he's like, I'm either going to jump and be caught and be defeated, or I'm going, to, I'm going to get this. And so what he did yesterday was he learned to wrap me up in a blanket. So watch where I'm going with this. He bound me. So he took this blanket and he would tie me up. And then when he jumped on me, I couldn't catch him. He knew as he ascended to that place that he was called to, that he was going to have the victory over me because I was defeated. I was already bound. Can I tell you how confidently he climbed that couch to jump on me when I was bound? There was some swagger in the climb. There was no resistant. There was no, is he going to catch me? Is he not going to catch me? He was flying elbows at me. I'm trying to say the same thing should be our approach in life. The enemy has already been bound. He's already been defeated. We ought to climb into a place, amen, that we jump off with such a confidence knowing that it's already been handled. But we get so hesitant. We're the Charlie. We, we, God calls us to a dream or he calls us to a ministry or he calls us to a thing. And we start calculating. Is it going to work out for me? Is it going to not work out for me? If we stepped into these things that God called us to, knowing that the enemies are defeated, I think we'd attack at a higher level. But I'm nervous about saying something, and I'm worried about this, and I don't know how it's going to turn out. Can I tell you, it's already turned out. God already did it for you. He works all things together for the glory of, God, for, of him, right? So even if it messes up, it's all still going to work out to the glory. You believe that? So our dreams, the way we pray, the way we extend forgiveness to other people needs to come from an approach that the enemy's already been defeated. He's already been bound. You have an authority to launch that flying elbow, amen? 
That's why John 16, says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've already overcome the world. Those are some pretty awesome promises. It's like, hey, you have the ability to have peace in trouble. Why? Because God has already overcome and done it all. So you can wake up and go, hey, today I can have peace, even though trouble may present itself because God's already done it all. It's just different for you. You have the cheat codes. We have an advantage. Amen. It just works different. Uh, I thought about when we grew up playing sports and picking teams and um, you'd be playing and some other kids would show up, some, some other dudes would show up and they'd have their crew and, uh, and you would like reassign the team. And, and, and if it was your house, you would pick the team. And so other people would show up or you're at the thing and, or you had court first. And so you got to be like kind of schemy if you were picking teams, like you knew the skills of these players and you didn't know much about them and they didn't know much about these players. So you're like, um, I think I'll take them and them and then why don't we make the team them and them and then you guys. But really what I knew was I just took all the ballers, right? Like I got, I just stacked the team. They didn't know. And so that game starts a lot differently when you know that your team has been stacked for you. Amen. And so they didn't see what they were walking into. They had no clue what they were putting themselves up against. Amen. And so great advantage on our side because of the team that's been assembled. Do you know that the, the scripture says that even up in heaven, you have a heavenly host of people cheering for you and pulling for you and praying for you and equipping your team? So it's like, oh, the world, they're, they're getting ready to pass this and the world's getting ready to pass this. Yeah, I understand they're showing up to the court trying to do some things, but they don't understand the team that they've assembled up against. Amen. Amen? But this team all of a sudden over here, we're just getting so worried about what, what's going to happen. And, you know, you know. So to the, to, the, to the world, it's like not even fair. We don't play by the same rules of what the enemy's trying to do in the world, what evil's trying to do. We just don't even play by the same rules because we, on our side, have a God who robbed the grave, who changed human history by the blood that was shed on his cross. So your marriage doesn't play by the rules of the world. You have the advantage of the power of God. Your thinking doesn't play by the rules of this world. You have the advantage of a powerful God trying to uh, speak to you and encourage you. Why? So that it renews our mind, our bank account, our health. None of those things play by the rules of this world. We're different. You have the advantage. We ought to act like it. Amen. That's why the scripture says we're in this world, but we're not of it. You're in it. You're a part of it. You're living here in that. But you have a supernatural advantage through the power of God to, to be different in this world. 1 John 5.14, this is the Passion Translation. I love how this one really reads. 1 John 5.14, it says, Since we have this confidence, we can also have great boldness before him. For if we present any request agreeable to his will, he will hear us. Since we have this confidence, we can also have great boldness. Because we have confidence, it gives us boldness that when we pray to God according to his will, according to scripture, according to his promises, that he'll hear us. You have a God who's listening to you. Uh, how many have ever gone through some things and you weren't able to tell anybody about it? You weren't able to talk about it. You weren't able to say anything. You know how you feel hopeless and trapped and stuck, not in being able to tell your story or say your thing. Here you're saying you have a God who say, hey, you can be bold. You can be confident. Why? Because you have a God who's listening and caring and active in your life. That's an advantage, amen? 
Romans talks about how we're overcomers. Romans 8.37 says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It says you're more than a conqueror. That means you're winning with a pretty big margin, like 11 points. Amen? Michigan, Michigan State. Like you're winning with great margin. You're, you're more than enough. Glory. Michigan wins games and saves money. We don't pay our players. Now we're preaching. Now we're preaching. <laughs> but it says you're more than conquerors. You're winning this thing by a long shot. You're, 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 amen. It's not like, hey, oh, God's called you to just get by through him. No, you're more than conquerors through him. The New Living Translation says it this way, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming, meaning as Christians, you have the advantage of being different. You get to run up the score on the enemy, on the things that he tries to do in our world and pull against our families. We, we get to run up the score against him. John 16, 7 says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It's another advantage talking to the Holy Spirit. This week, Scott and Sam did an amazing job talking about this advantage that we have called the Holy Spirit. Meaning you don't have to wait. If Jesus was still here on earth and you needed to receive from him or hear from him, imagine of all the people on earth, if they were setting up appointments to hear from him, you know the, the stat that it would take to see him? <laughs> You get like one second with them over the course of hundreds, right? It just, it's, it's to your advantage that you have a Holy Spirit that can lead you and prompt you and guide you. Amen. You have the advantage. You're different. Amen. I love this. We also have a God. One of the advantages that we have, we have a God who knows your story. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two talks about how we're looking unto Jesus. Who's the author and finisher of our faith. You're going to a God who knows what it's going to be. It's not like you're going to God and being like, hey, God, I got this thing going on, and I'm praying that you help me with this. And, and he's like, well, I don't know how that's going to work. He does know. He does know how to lead you. He does know how to encourage you. He does tell you what is the right step to take. He's the author and the finisher, meaning he's the person who puts it together and then also helps you finish it. Amen. And so it's a big deal. That's an advantage to yours. Imagine this way. What if you knew the end of your week, how would you spend your week? I mean, think about it right now in your life. If I could show you what your whole week was going to be, don't you think it would be an advantage during your week if you knew what the week was going to be? That's what it is in God. We know how this thing ends. We know that God is equipping us and there for us and provide. You know how it's going to be. Let's just trust God that he's in it and working and on your behalf. Amen. Uh, I thought about it like this. It's almost like. Uh, being a part like God is our director and we've been given this script, his will, the word. We've been given this, this play to go live out. And so you're in and you're doing the scene and you're living out the script. And at times he'll say, hey, cut. Uh, hey, cut. Got to talk to you a minute. Let's get back to the script. You know, get back to my promises. Get back to my plan. Amen. That's what the word does is it brings us back into, yep, this is God's plan for us. This is, the, this is what we're talking about. And that's why the word is powerful. That's an advantage to you that you have God's word. Psalm 119, 105 says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You don't have to stumble through the darkness. How I many you know it's easier to walk in the light? You can navigate things better. Amen. So it's saying, look, hey, the word is something that's going to help you navigate more efficiently. Let's use the word that's to your advantage. Amen. I know I'm being redundant, but I'm just setting up this series that we're different. 
And that's an advantage. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. One of the most important things you can do in your day is ask God to judge your attitude and heart. God, give me something to make sure I'm in good alignment here. Make sure I'm in a good place. Well, that's what the word gets to do. It gets to cut in sharply. You don't have to ask somebody's opinion or, or call a friend or, or Google. You can get into the word and be like, God, help me discern my attitude and where I'm at on this and the decisions that I need to make. Amen? I, uh, you're going to laugh at me. Uh, I didn't do this on purpose. This is just what I do. But um, I watched Iron Man 3 for the first time yesterday. Has it been out a long time? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I, I have to say I kind of watched it because my wife was in her craft room. And she came out, and I was watching a movie without her, without even inviting her. You know, that's foul, just in case you didn't know. And she really, to my uh, defense, she really loves her craft room. She was in her craft room doing her thing. Usually I'll let her do whatever. So, like, I can watch sports but not turn on a movie. Then I get in trouble. There's, like, there's like a line to it. And I was working on the iPad, and, and then it was on. And anyway, I got in a lot of trouble. But she loves her craft room. Usually she's in there eating bread and dessert and enjoying her pregnant life. It's kind of an inside joke. You should look it up, eating bread and dessert. It's really funny. But anyway, um, I'd pull it up for you, but I'd be in a lot of Maddie's. If Maddie's shutting me down, then I can't do it. But So I'm watching this movie, and, uh, and I noticed this thing that, that really spoke to me. If you haven't seen the movie, you're just out. So for the next couple minutes, you're not going to get it. But... Iron Man creates this suit. He's a normal guy. He has this suit. I'm probably going to get it wrong because I don't follow it very much. So you, Marvel, DC Comic, whatever one you are, I don't, I don't know it all. Uh, Marvel. Okay, Marvel. Don't come up and, like, correct me on things because I just... So he creates this suit. He's this normal guy, rich guy, creates this suit. And in this third movie, uh, his suit has this ability to come to him, to, to come to him when he needs it. And so he's got this other person he talks to in the sky and he gives out commands and and this suit comes into his life but what's interesting about this though and it, and it speaks a lot of how we use faith he would be in situations and he knew that the resource was there now track with me he knew by faith that what he needed was coming and so he would be in the battle, but he would put himself in these positions before the suit got there that when the time was right, the suit would show up in time and he would have the victory. Yeah. Essentially, he lived his life putting himself in place, knowing that when he needed it, it would be there. Amen. Essentially, it's walking by faith and not by sight because he knew there was something there to access, even though it wasn't quite visible in his life yet. And he would need to position for it to jump onto his arm and... You saw the movie, right? And, and we need to do that. We need to position ourselves. If we're so distracted with all the things of the world and other people, when God sends you what you need, if you're not ready to receive it, amen. And so he pulled all these things in essentially by faith, knowing that it was there for him to access. Uh, I thought about it right now. This is how faith works. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us the assurance about things we cannot see. So this is one of the advantages that we have is we have faith, this ability to believe that God's going to move even when we can't see it. 
Uh, if I were in here with all of you and we had different lights on and I took highlight, black light marker and we wrote a whole bunch of stuff on that wall and then we turned on the normal lights, you wouldn't see it. But many of you would believe that it's there, right? Can't see it yet. You have a great hope that it's there. And then the minute that we activated a black light, what would we see? That which we couldn't see. That's how God uses faith. It's this ability to believe that he's good to us and he's for us and he has a plan for us and it's there and we move toward it like it's there. And then all of a sudden everything comes together and God turns on the right circumstance and we step into that which we do not see. It's an advantage that we have is to walk and use faith to our advantage. Amen. Amen. It takes faith. Hebrews eleven six says in without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him or pursue him or go after him. We must use faith. You can't be a Christian and not use faith in your life. It's a faith pursuit, earnestly seeking. James 2 says faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. It works just like this. Uh, I spoke vows to my wife on our wedding day. But do you know, truthfully, those vows don't mean anything today? Everybody's like, whoa. (laughs) Unless I'm actively living out those vows. They're just words. I know a whole bunch of people that gave vows but didn't give action. Faith without works is dead. Vows without the work in our life of our marriage, those vows are dead. You pray to prayer of salvation, that's great. But God is saying you have to be active. Faith without works is dead. You have to be in a pursuit toward him. Amen. Trusting him. Thought about it like this. It doesn't take faith to ask to be used by God. It doesn't take faith to say, God, use me. It takes faith to take action. We pray, oh, God, I want to be used. But where it actually takes faith is to take that action. Uh, It doesn't take faith to say, oh, God, I want you to bless me. Bless everyone. God, I just want blessing on people's lives. It takes faith to set up a meeting to ask for forgiveness or to forgive them. Can't say, oh, God, I want to pray the best for people and believe for people. But then you're not willing to give them the freedom of setting them free by forgiving them. Faith takes like the hard steps, the action steps. It doesn't take faith to ask God to bless you. It takes faith to tithe. It takes faith to put him first in our lives. Amen. Faith without works is dead. I'll close with this. I'll wrap up here about being different. I love this. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Uh, it says these really just great reminders about we're different. We're called to be different. And that's okay because you're at advantage. But it goes on to say this. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 in the message version. It says, no test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. So my very dear friends, when you see people reducing God to something they can use or control, get out of their company as fast as you can. Whoa. Think about it like this. When you make God something we've trained to work within the boundaries of our lives, we're in trouble. When it's like, oh, no, 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 I don't want to be different. I don't want to do it the way God called me to do it. I don't want to do it out of my comfort zone. I don't want to do it anything like that. I want God to do it like this for me. And we've like trained God to be this thing that works for us. We're in danger. 
we have to be comfortable living with the way God's called us to be different. It says this, it says, when you see people reducing God to something they can use or control, get out of their company as fast as you can. There's a whole bunch of people that are taking the ways of God, the words of God, the principles of God, and they're saying, I don't want that, I don't want that, I want this, and they're putting God into something that works for them. Get out of that company because you have to be submitted to a God who's gonna make it be different, act different, call us into the different, amen? 1 John 5, 3, the New Living says, loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So loving God is keeping his commandments, it's keeping his ways, that's how we love God. And it's saying, hey, doing that is not a burden because doing it differently, doing it God's way, doing it like this, it may feel like a burden. It may feel like it's not going the way it's supposed to because it's different, but it's saying like, this is not a burden. It's a blessing because it's to your advantage to do it God's way. You have an advantage. I love this in verse four, it says, for every child of God defeats this evil, defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our what? Faith, faith, believing that no matter what we see, God is still up to something that we're still at the advantage, that we still are more than conquerors. Amen. 